Welcome along, my aspiring allies, and thank you for joining me on this latest episode of the Speaking of Inclusion podcast. This is the place where we explore the challenging topics of inclusion and we get confident with putting our foot in it. And today I'm absolutely thrilled that I've been joined by the fantastic Imani Sorendo. And Imani is a holistic health practitioner, teacher, and is director of KMT Rising. And in this conversation, we delve into the power of mindfulness as a tool for allies and the impact that it can have in creating inclusive spaces. So as you listen to this episode, I would like to ask you to consider how mindfulness can transform the way that you engage with other people and deepen your understanding of different perspectives. And I'd like you to ask yourself, how are you integrating mindfulness into your daily life as a way of elevating your own acts of allyship? So you know the drill, settle down in whichever way works best for you and get ready to join me on this journey of self-reflection and empowerment with the fantastic guest this week, Imani Sorendo on the Speaking of Inclusion podcast. Welcome along my aspiring allies and thank you for joining us again today on the Speaking of Inclusion podcast. So today I'm delighted that we are being joined by Imani Sorendo. So Imani is joining us as the director of KMT Rising, an award-winning business that focuses on integrative wellness through mindfulness, energy work and healing. Um, And we today are going to be talking all about mindfulness and the role that that can play in creating inclusive spaces. Imani is also the co-director of a collaborative organisation called Be Me Like We, which hosts conferences to enable people to harness their potential for personal growth and leadership. That's not all, because Imani's work also as a holistic health practitioner, health coach and teacher for over 20 years has enabled her to work locally in the community in Suffolk on matters such as cancer prevention, stress elimination and empowerment, and offering community-based holistic health services to marginalised groups. Imani is an international speaker on mindfulness and meditation and most recently has been a guest speaker at the Manchester Mindfulness Festival representing the Mindfulness Network for People of Colour, the MNPC, speaking on creating space for social cohesion. So I am delighted that she is here joining me in conversation today. So welcome, Imani. Oh, blessings. Thank you, Katie. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's so wonderful to have you along. Um, And I really think this is such an awesome topic for us to be having a conversation around, especially through the lens of inclusion, because I think it's one that a lot of our listeners might not necessarily make a direct connection between. So, So for me, this is super exciting. Absolutely. And it's the only way forward, in my view, in terms of um, achieving our goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know I've done kind of the whistle stop tour then, kind of like who you are and the work that you do. But how, in your own words, would you kind of like to introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a flavour of of who you are and what it is that you do? Well, I'll start with that I'm a grandmother and a mother. (laughs) I'm a grandmother of four and um, a mother and I was a young mother you know so you know mindfulness was not always easy for me or to me I didn't have access to it um, you know so I always start there really to show how instrumental it's been in my life in shaping my life and the direction of my life professionally as well. I'm also a priestess I'm a priestess in the Osarian um, tradition which is an ancient Egyptian um, religion um, which you know obviously mindfulness stems thousands and thousands of years ago but um you know I incorporate incorporate that in my own personal life 
That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that as well, because I think that really brings kind of the the element of humanity into these conversations as well, isn't it? Because I know sometimes when we we start thinking about, oh, you know, what does inclusion mean? We immediately leap to like a business landscape or, yes. or, or creating spaces in a work context. And actually, first and foremost, we're all human, aren't we? We are we are we are people first before we are anything else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's getting to that essence and that core of you first. And then obviously you can then you know project that into the world yeah fantastic and i can honestly say i have never met a priestess can you remind us what's the a priestess in which what was the what was the the orsarian yes it's an ancient egyptian um religion which really fundamentally it's about peace resonance and making sure that your mind your thoughts are all aligned really with that premise of our nature is peace Wow, fantastic! That's really cool. Immediately, I, th- I know that a lot of people are going to go and start googling that. <laughs> that's, I'm sure there's so much more that we can we can get into talking about that, and I'm hoping we we will get to touch on some of that as we speak. Yeah. So, so to kick us off, because we're speaking here about mindfulness, and I know that many people, including myself, will have certain thoughts and feelings about what okay, what mindfulness is, and we might be making assumptions. But how would you describe what mindfulness is? I mean, for my, for me, mindfulness is is presence. You know, it's about being in the know now. It's being in the present as much as possible, staying attuned to what's going on within you and and also around you as well. You know, so it's not always about drifting off into a space where you're not aware of your environment around you, um, because you want to be attuned to that as well at times, especially when you're out walking and practicing mindfulness. You might be in a park and you're a lone person. You know, you need to be semi-aware of what's going on in your space as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's very much about enabling the body to relax and to stop that inner chatter of the, of the mind that gets in the way of any insight coming through, really. That's, yeah, that's super interesting, actually, because I think... um I can see how some people may think, oh, mindfulness, it's all about sitting down quietly and meditating and 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 kind of, like as you said, like zoning out. But actually what you're saying, it's more tuning in, um, you know, what yes, are the it's both. That we're having? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. both. It's doing, you know, doing what you need at that time, you know, working with a lot of professionals. Sometimes they only have about two, three minutes and, you know, they can't totally switch off, but they can create that space, you know, and that mental calm um even within that time yeah cool and and I liked how you gave it the the framework there as well around it's contextual so I guess if I'm sitting at home in the safety of of my home and I know I can I can be completely calm and tranquil and take in the things that are around me here it's really different like you say as if I'm walking alone in a park um, Absolutely. and I do have to pay attention to what's going on yes yeah and on yeah. the street you know that's why I, I always tell people don't put your headphones on you know try and stay alert as much as possible you know um but that comes with practice so that you're not distracted by what's going on you can still remain mindful yeah yeah and actually that really resonates as you said that because it it reminds me that um I I I used to run and I'm trying to get back into it now. Mm. And actually I always enjoyed running more once I took my headphones out. So I used to run to music because it was always the beat would get me going. But then once I realized if I just look at what's going on around me and I used to run early in the mornings and the things you notice, like, you know, the the fox in the field or the birds and the sound of the birds, not just where they are. And actually it brings a whole different experience, doesn't it? Or, Or thinking about your breathing or... It's very much so there's all these melodies going on these symphonies going on and we block them out you know um 
but they're actually important because they are vibrations you know they are they have frequencies of their own which is really important to harmonize with that uh, for for wellness many times um, the music could be a lot of synthesizers a lot of dull kind of uh, music that is not actually attuned to how our body <laughs> vibrates and, and, and needs to stay calm anyway. So we could be actually doing the, the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Do you know, that makes a lot of sense because if I think about it, I was always picking things that have like a pretty heavy, persistent, repetitive <laughs> beat. So I would try and keep up with it. Whereas actually, if I let that go and just tuned in, my body found its own rhythm. Yes. And I, I spent less time thinking about, oh, my knees hurt, my hips hurt with every <laughs> single step. It was more just enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, running, you know, running could be just to keep fit, get rid of the stress. And you want that up, you know, you might feel that your energy is quite low and, and there's no, nothing wrong with putting that music on. But actually, if it becomes the only way that we run, then we're not practicing mindfulness necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's super interesting. And I love how you said there around like tuning into the the vibrations and, and harmonizing with that. Um, that's that kind of even just the, the language and the words there feels quite beautiful about tuning into the vibrations of nature. Yeah, you see, you know, for me, Katie, unless we do that, we really can't um, be allies. We can't work in a, you know, in terms of unification of, of, of people and, and their diversities, because that's exactly what we're striving to do. We're striving not to assimilate and let everyone become one. You're actually integrating and seeing the beauty and essence and diversity and uniqueness of, of each and every one and and then heart creating this symphony creating this harmony out of it and so it's very much about you know that harmony within and without yeah I love that and as you were saying that the image that popped into my mind there as well was around kind of an orchestra yes. and and it, and you know nobody wants well you're less likely to want to go and walk and watch an orchestra play if it's if it's all trumpets like that's cool in its own right but actually if we have all of the instruments coming together and coming you know not having a, a flute trying to be a trumpet and a guitar trying to be a trumpet it's like actually everything's in its own right doing its own thing but but beautifully working together yes synchronicity yeah. very much yeah. so I mean if the trumpet was wanting to just only be heard and none of the other you know instruments were getting their 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 time yeah. <laughs> to be heard as well it, it's a problem and then that's where we see these discriminatory practices you know operating yeah. yeah so so we're kind of we're kind of moving in here now to thinking about okay so what are the benefits of mindfulness in terms of how how does that play out for us as humans and the way that we kind of interact and resonate with other people um so what other benefits are there that exist you know when we think about mindfulness I mean, essentially, it's about us becoming more self-aware about ourselves, who we are, our values, what is um, pressing our buttons. You know, it's about allowing us to relax, you know, relax that nervous system um, so that the ego doesn't get in the way, you know, of our day-to-day -day life. For me, mindfulness allows us to kind of pack into and hijack that stress response, that fight flight response. So straight away we can stay in, from, you know, in a place of calm um, rather than be triggered off throughout the day, whether it's a burnt dinner or whether it's red marking on a, from a manager's report, it's, you know, whether it's a child tugging on our, on our, you know, or when we're busy tugging on us for their attention, all of these things can actually trigger a stress response depending on who who's experiencing it. And, and, mindfulness allows us to eliminate that 
So essentially, it starts there. It starts with the individual. It starts with the person. And then from that, as that awareness um, grows within ourselves, we become more aware of others as well. You know, we become aware and, and able to integrate some key practices, the principles of mindfulness, you know, such as gratitude. You know, gosh, I used to wake up like in my late 20s, the, you know, going through the challenging time and just waking up with the first thought, oh God, not another day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, my energy was just dropped and I sabotaged my whole day. So for me, that gratitude about appreciating one or two things mm -hmm. and reframing is really part of mindful practice as well. These, these key principles, mm -hmm. you know, that underpin it. I love I love that actually and it, it reminded me as I was listening to the radio um, I think it was last week and there was someone talking about gratitude and they mentioned that since they started keeping a gratitude journal that when they go to bed at night they were writing down just a few lines about things that they were grateful for nothing you know didn't necessarily have to be anything grand it was just a few mm -hmm. things each day and they said they slept better because they were kind of going to sleep on this positive grateful note but also they had more thoughts during the day about noticing things that they would be grateful for or looking for things to be grateful for, which changed the way that they were noticing what was going on and kind of then reshaped how they were thinking ahead of going to sleep as well. So everything just got more and more positive. That's um, amazing. That's amazing. Very much, um, you know, it's about rewiring the brain. You know, we don't often realize that we harbor a lot of negative thinking throughout the day, a lot of doubts, a lot of anxiety. I mean, I noticed... 200 percent um anxiety increase just in where i live you know gps right. were telling me in terms of the pandemic alone so for 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 us mindfulness and, and my practice of mindfulness working with clients due that time was 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 critical you know to move us out of that state of panic you know yeah so yeah lots of benefits yeah and actually yeah just to, to loop back in, in, in what you're saying there as well around that interruption piece of the stresses of daily life as well it sounds as if what you're saying the benefits there is it's an opportunity to pause so rather than react to the you know we have so many stresses like you the examples you yeah. gave that just come at us all day it's, it gives us a moment to just interrupt pause and think how will I choose to respond rather yeah, than a response absolutely. I mean, I call it mind the gap, you know, like on the oh, train, yeah. mind the gap, because there is this space between the thought and the action. And if we can just pause, it's as large as we want it to be. You know, it's immeasurable, actually, because it's a continuum of calm. <laughs> so yeah. so that pause could be the life saving grace of, you know, walloping somebody or yeah. somebody or saying something that we didn't really mean. Um, or making a decision that you know out of haste, so critical. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I think if I overlay that to some of the conversations that I have in in the coaching work I do, when people kind of come, I was scared of saying the wrong thing. I'm scared of doing the wrong thing. But actually, when you have that that ability and that consciousness around, well, I'm just going to take a minute. Mm -hmm. You can think about those things. You don't have mm -hmm. to respond straight away. You've got the confidence to take that pause, and that feels really empowering as well to say actually it's okay if I don't know what to say in the moment I don't know what to say in the moment absolutely and that's okay <laughs> and 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 no comment or no action is is also quite powerful in you know where where appropriate so yeah 
Yeah. Sometimes it's our energy just wanting us to say something. It's that energy just fluttering around. And mindfulness allows us just to become aware that, oh, yeah, you, we are a little bit tense or, you know, we've got butterflies or whatever it is. And therefore, we can choose then to do something about that, mm-hmm. go for a walk or take some deep breaths or whatever. But if yeah. we're not even aware of what our body's communicating to us, we've dived in, you know, and gone down this cul-de-sac, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, yeah, when you're saying that, it's almost like, oh, we're so keen to fill the gap. Yes. And, and like you said, mind the gap. And and, yeah. and actually, how much power is there in, in maybe saying to someone, I don't know how to respond that, but I'm noticing that I'm feeling a little bit nervous in my yes. stomach. Like, oh, that's interesting. Like, because that's a response too, just owning owning the moment owning the moment you know even in our relationships you know just yeah you know what you've just said is you know I've noticed some is creating some tension within me but let me no give me some time yeah, <laughs> give me some time yeah. to work through that to process that yeah how powerful is that and I'm also curious then to know because again as someone who here I am we're talking about mindfulness and I'm thinking oh this is this is good and honest I'm not I'm not necessarily someone who I say probably practices it as much as I could or indeed should um, so what are some of the challenges that in your experience that people come up against when it comes to thinking about mindfulness? I think the first thing is is just a lack of understanding or, or, or definition of what it is. It means so many different things to different people. And so um, some people get a little bit anxious about what it actually means and whether they can sit still for long enough, you know, and, and do it. And that's why I always say to people, choose things and take bite-sized steps, you know um for some people that inner chatterbox is is just constantly talking to them and they find it very hard to switch off so that's a quite a big challenge in itself to actually sit still and 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 especially working with people who may have had some traumas and things you know there's a, a apprehension of getting into mindfulness state in case all of that comes up but you know um i'm firm believer that the spirit or the the mind will only bring up what it needs to bring up or what we're ready to work through you know so there's always that safeguarding element we're working with people you know to keep people safe in terms of where they want to go and and that's the wonderful thing about mindfulness if if you do five minutes of just some breathing and staying still that's that's quite powerful that's quite powerful and so it's um the challenges the expectations that sometimes people hold when they get started on the journey you know or you might be in a group and someone's not feeling the same way. <laughs> I remember I remember delivering a course once and I said, oh, you know, you're in a calm, safe space. And someone said, well, actually, I don't feel very calm and safe at all because it's the first time they were in a group for a very long time. And so it's about just not projecting what you hope to um, everyone's got to get out of it, allow people to be in touch with themselves and what comes up for them is what comes up for them. They're becoming aware and self-aware. And then we can move through that with them and support them. So those are some of the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like what you're saying there around kind of the expectations. Because actually, yeah, I guess in my mind, there could be like the gold standard of mindfulness, which is we're sitting very still for hours on end. And, you know, we're getting really into something. And actually... <laughs> is that that might be one person's idea of perfect mindfulness but it doesn't need to be everybody's idea no no absolutely you're right and and i mean as a priestess um we you know in my practice meneb is what mindfulness is and that's stilling the heart you know it's ignoring the thoughts and stilling the heart so that racing heart you know and so for me there's certain things i would apply 
just to be the observer just to be the observer of what's going on but not be ruled by it you know not be controlled by it so I suppose it's it's the same thing and that and that philosophy is thousands and thousands of years old mm -hmm. but it keeps me anchored culturally as well you know there's something from my ancestors and my you know my culture um because sometimes mindfulness appears to be very western domain but actually it's inclusive of all people with faith or no faith or religion or no religion so there's something for everyone yeah well that's yeah that's fascinating and and I and I and I guess that's that's something that we can easily lose sight of it again I guess especially in western cultures in that mindfulness has become very popular yeah um but actually we we can readily overlook the fact that it's not new it's not it, just because it's trending doesn't mean it's it's been invented recently it's literally <laughs> yeah absolutely it's a little <laughs> bit like Christopher Columbus going in and saying you discovered the yeah <laughs> you know, I put a flag in it I found it Hello. Oh, was it was it not there before yeah and he met people there so what's that yeah. about so yeah, yeah it's about the narratives isn't it and, and that's mindfulness as well around, around how we examine those histories those that language and and make sense of the world based on truth you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and, and and something else that was coming up for me as you were saying that I was thinking you know we're all we're all different in terms of our neurodiversities as well and how yes. how we sit and I can imagine there might be some people that feel quite anxious as you were saying about you know, if I think I have to be sitting still and being still or or stilling my busy mind, if that's, you know, not a natural state of being for me. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, what I tend to do when I work with um, some clients with autism, you know, give them something in their hand or mm -hmm. they can select something so that they're actually going into a mindful state, but with a prop, a prop. And that's really useful. Um, you know, we don't know people's histories. Um, some people were actually scolded for and had to sit still for, you know, as children. And therefore you're saying sit still. And they, yeah. they all, you know, that resonates in a different way yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. So we have to just, you know, give people a range of tools and, and not be too dictatorial about what we want them to actually experience yeah I guess what I'm kind of hearing here is that like mindfulness it is for everybody and it's accessible for and by everybody um providing that you know we can harness it and, and, and engage with it in the way that works best for us and who we are yeah absolutely because as a practitioner that might bring up challenges for us <laughs> you know can we work with neurodiverse groups um and that and and we have to remain mindful with that because things might come up for us it's like oh you know this is a new experience and that might bring a bit of anxiety or whatever am I doing it right doing it wrong yeah. so we have to practice our mindfulness within working with diverse groups as well yeah yeah and that's interesting that kind of that looping of the relationship and and everyone staying present for everyone else as well yes. and for ourselves yeah yeah cool um I also, if it's okay, because I, I really want to touch on the link between, you know, when you describe mindfulness as being present. And for me, it's something that I'm exploring more and more over the last, well, the recent months around how am I present for people? How am I showing up? Um, and, and, and how, yeah, how am I kind of interacting with people, not getting distracted, not allowing my thoughts to you know, move my brain away from what's going on? And I really kind of want to share... Um, when you and I first met and we had our first conversation and I want to own the fact that I was not present 
um, when we kicked off that call. And, and I was kind of aware of it coming in that I had a thousand things going on in my head and I was running a bit late and I kind of came in and I, I did that thing that we often do where we try and like overcompensate by being <laughs> particularly perky and and kind of, you know, putting that mask on. And it really kind of then challenged me to then, oh, now I have to have a conversation with someone about mindfulness and presence, knowing <laughs> I've come in with my mask on. And um, and I'm like, oh, and I, and I kind of sat with it afterwards thinking, oh, gosh, like that... I had to notice my feelings of coming out of that yes. conversation and it was yes. really interesting and I, I know I messaged you about it afterwards and and I really want to kind of sort of un, not unpack that but address that a little bit in terms of how do you feel about um presence and the role it plays in how we build relationships with one another you know when when we are arriving with our with our busy minds or things going on and and how can that kind of presence and mindfulness help us in creating relationships with other people Yes, I remember that, man. I remember that time, Katie. I mean, for <laughs> me, your, en- your energy came on, on the Zoom before you. <laughs> yeah. And it's about holding space for people, you know, and, and really it's about holding space for people. It's not judging, you know, it's not um, judging in any way. It's just looking at what's being presented and, and working with it, working through it to uh, enable that person to just self-soothe and calm themselves until they're ready to engage fully and... and um, and and willing that for me as well because I was apprehensive about meeting you for the you know and yeah. having a detailed dialogue where we going to um, see that this collaboration was going to work and and so you were holding space for me too so in a way that's how I see it really the more we um, practice mindfulness we become very attuned um, very attuned to ourselves and to others and the needs of others and I I think that's really important and. Um, and maybe to work more effectively with 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 others really yeah and and I, I mean I'm I'm obviously grateful in in the sense that you are someone who is um you know highly skilled <laughs> at kind of recognizing energy and holding that space and, and 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 behaving in that very present way and I'm kind of then curious as to how and this is generally as humans when when we do arrive with all of our different energies and we're not the type of people who maybe pay attention to that or or are, are comfortable sitting in the discomfort of like, hmm, I don't think I was showed up in that moment mm-hmm, and what do mm-hmm, I want to do mm-hmm. with that? And I wonder how can we interrupt those cycles a bit ahead of, you know, I'm thinking, I'm now thinking of a, of a business context. If I'm going into a meeting with somebody, like how am I setting myself up to be present or I might have I got my phone next to me and I'm constantly yes. watching my notifications ping or yeah I mean for me um it, it's a little bit of um preparation for mindfulness before we we go out we before we even leave the house I mean I personally do mindfulness every morning you know five ten minutes um that just grounds me for the day it helps me to be be aware of my sensations that you know that are coming up throughout the day it just makes me more alert I know when I don't do it the impact it has you know I'm yeah. frazzled I react I'm overreactive I'm not really in tune with my body or my senses and so I'm more than likely to um, say the wrong thing or or, or make errors and, and and that's okay too because um I don't go into this um self-critique or blame thing it's just oh 
the you know the curious mind again a mindful principle the curious mind and why did that happen oh yeah let me go back to <laughs> what was working for me so there's learning in it um um and that comes with self-reflection and self-awareness so for me yes when we're working with others it's it's making sure they have a range of tools to try out and practice and find out what works for them but also keeping a reflective journal as you say is really good because they can actually start to tap into themselves and build that self-awareness and for some it could come easy and for others that's not something they've ever had to do in fact culturally some groups i work with have never really had to or been asked to or been encouraged to <laughs> tap into how they feel about things as then what's coming up for them and owning it and expressing it so you know I, I'm working with a group of um, refugee and asylum seekers a few months back and it was very new it was very new and quite scary for some people so I had to take it very very slowly and just do some very bite-sized you know activities and that was good enough you know as a starting yeah. point yeah yeah that's fascinating and and then i and i can imagine as well when it, a lot of it must have a lot to do with just our levels of comfort in yeah. certain spaces and like you say our experiences to date and, and and how where has that led us to and i can imagine um as well if we are the type of people who can navigate life with very few headwinds um mm -hmm. you know when we when, when the wind is kind of in our favor um that actually taking those moments to sit in some of the discomfort that we feel or um, noticing how we're responding to things rather than just being used to saying, well, I just, I just behave the way I behave and things yes. seem to work, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, kind of rather than taking that reflective, that reflective process that actually the act of mindfulness can allow people a safe way to explore that and, and notice, um, you know what is going on in their bodies what is, absolutely absolutely I, I work a lot with senior managers who um sometimes sometimes they have become detached from from that and and almost culturally i think sometimes leaders get very desensitized about their feelings because they have to make some very dis difficult decisions sometimes <laughs> um around um disciplining people so, you know sometimes laying off people around challenging um performance and so on and sometimes i can actually make you cut off from your senses um so mindfulness is actually imperative that is part of that work to really be congruent with your staff be congruent with your teams and own your staff because sometimes yeah. you could be over projecting this expectation from a narrative of a child you know narrative oh. of an experience of the critical parent in part you know in childhood so it's for everyone, all spheres, all, all levels of um, of work and employment and, and business as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and actually, I, I think your use of kind of like the desensitization there thing really stood out for me there in the sense of um, how often do we say, oh, it's not personal. I have to do, oh, it's, it's nothing personal, but, <laughs> but actually... It, a lot of things really are part even though you know the the decision making processes we make aren't rooted in yes personal nature they are personal if they involve people yeah and not only can that have an impact on other people but we must hold that within ourselves if i think about we must yeah i mean we must right if i if i think about the um the hr 
spheres that I've worked in and the process you know, if you have to go through a redundancy process where you are essentially looking and, and it might be you know you're looking at spreadsheets of names of people and you're trying to anonymize everything and yes know, it's just a process but actually you are also consciously aware that you've got hundreds of names on the list and you're responsible for making sure something happens fairly and it's a lot to hold it's and, a lot to hold yeah. and, and there comes a, a responsibility with that and and that's where the conscience also kicks in because it's like are we holding any unconscious bias about our decision making you know who we lay off who we don't did we know those people enough to know the essence of that person was did we do enough to support yeah. them you know or are we judging them based on our expectations have they done enough you know what is this enough anyway this yardstick yeah yeah what is enough is yeah. it the yardstick of me the individual because I've got a really high yardstick relationship friendship that comes into expectation of people where we actually then try to bring them up to that whatever that expectation is but is it the yardstick of the job is it the yardstick mm -hmm. of the, the whatever the job description said was enough yeah. and yeah that's for the person to go back and weigh their heart about really and you can only do that in a mindful state yeah. you know yeah yeah and yeah absolutely and like you say we're back to the gap aren't we which is yeah. how am I approaching this yeah consciously being present for the information I'm trying to process the feelings I have about having yes. to process this because I know that there have definitely been times we're going through a process and it's my job to do it mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean I'm comfortable with it or I even agree with it yeah. um, and you have to manage that too and that's also a lot to 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 take isn't it and you know you have many many conversations with people which can be incredibly devastating conversations for them and we might want to push all of our feelings down because it's not about us it is about that person so it's about how are we holding that space for yes it's completely personal for them and also you know we have to manage our own emotions about whatever's going on too and where do yeah. we take that and do we allow that to bleed into the next conversation we have on a different topic and yeah it's 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 just oh I just love working with people because it just brings up the best or the worst of you yeah um yeah. and to work with because really you know sometimes we don't get it right you know yeah. but again that's part of mindfulness too for us to own that and do it better next time so yeah I can remember working as a, a curriculum manager actually with 50 teachers and having to make some very challenging decisions and and some of it you're you know as you say you can you can blunt your own pain <laughs> mm. by just seeing it as a process but I think that disconnects the heart and how do you get that balance between compassion and loving kindness even in the workplace that's a real challenge you know but that's probably why I left because um I found that it wasn't encouraged and so that's that wasn't the kind of environment I wanted to personally be in mm, yeah so whatever I'm doing now yes you're working with people you're working with peers you're working with other managers but you're you're trying to be work towards being authentic yeah yeah and actually that I think we see that a lot don't we in, especially I'll probably 
I'm going to go out and live in a post-pandemic world mm -hmm. where we've spent a lot of time having our, a lot of our values challenged and, you know, most people's worlds got turned completely upside down yes. and things that we just accepted to be true, we now question and we see things very differently. And and I, and, and I think we're all still reeling from that a lot. And like you say, when we're in, if we're in workplaces where we think, I, how how do I bring kindness and compassion to this experience that I'm having where, okay, yeah, it's my job, but also I'm a human and these are my values and these are things that are important to me. Either I can align those things or I can't. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm also kind of just on a slight little tangent, cause I'm really curious about like, again, in the workplace, when we have conversations around inclusion and nine times out of 10, um, I encounter leaders who are like, okay, but what do we do? Let's get some action. I want to take steps. And for me, I'm like, oh, okay, it's great. It's great that you're keen. It's great that you're eager. But have you stopped and taken that step back to really think about what is the challenge that you're trying to create action for? Um, so I'm kind of, you know, curious to know whether, how, you know, how, what role mindfulness can play in in this process as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, part of that is is just people's temperaments. You know, some people are very do action focused. Some people are very reflective. So you're you're having to work with the team that you've got, really, in a sense. Right. Yeah. And for me, um, sometimes people have to have some experiential ex exercises to even sit still and get a sense of mm. what it is. You know, before they can unpick anything. For others, they're already quite reflective and they're quite they're coming in with already quite a clear vision of what they want to get from it you know in terms of their for their team or for themselves as professionals so it really is it's not one size fits all um I tend to work in a way that people get to understand the theory a little bit after the experiential because I okay. find in that setting everything is just so much about I want to see it I want to you know that's just the mindset isn't it? I want to see it I want to touch it I want to feel it but not so that it negates understanding what mindfulness is and the science behind it and the benefits for themselves and for staff because they have to come away with that understanding of how crucial it is for the empowerment of staff and the self-reflective and productivity of staff mm. of everybody so they need both, but I tend not to start there. I tend to start with the, you know, a little bit of practice. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Because actually I can see when by the nature of work for most people, it's so action biased, isn't it? Like we are producing, like we, we use productive, don't we, as a measure for, yeah. for work so frequently. And if we if we are all conditioned to be like, oh, go, go, go. What are we doing? What are our outputs? Um yeah that actually naturally we can be quite comfortable then to, to be sitting in a space where it's like well, what do I do with this absolutely yeah. I mean I things have really changed I mean, remember as a manager the performance review was very very self-reflective maybe because I was in a teaching kind of educational world we always encourage people to self-reflect to look at the learning cycle in their reflections and their performance review but now it seems to be in many cases, and, and from what I'm hearing from a lot of professionals, employees, is that it's, um, it's manager-led. <laughs> you know, they're going into that space being told what they're doing or not doing or being coerced to do something different or whatever. And, that, and, and yeah, that's taken away the whole essence and purpose, in my view, of what performance review was about yeah. and developing reflective 
and you know um employers employees so for me it's about mindfulness can actually assist with getting getting back that balance and interestingly actually as you were saying that what kind of made me think about is oh but when we ask people then to step up into leadership positions or managerial positions and they are the people say you know engaging in a performance review with the person in their team like we ask we say that don't we manage you know leaders you need to be vulnerable you need to share something of yourself you need to be able to engage on a human level with people but actually what we're saying is accept yeah. tell your people what they need to do so own <laughs> own all of that as well but also be vulnerable and engage and it's such a mixed mixed, mixed messages message. yeah. yeah very much so yeah um excellent so in terms of then so we, we were starting to talk about kind of practical action stuff so in terms of what people can do if you know if people are just thinking like okay mindfulness sounds interesting i think i might like to start looking into this a little bit more but they're coming at it from a place of i don't know where to begin what advice or what would you kind of recommend that pe where people could start I mean, I, I think it's just some quiet sitting, you know, it could be mindful eating. Um, that's where I started, you know, I love food, <laughs> but I realized I was rushing around, you know, and multitasking while I was eating on the phone and doing something else. And so just sitting and mindful eating and, and becoming connected with the food um, and the tastes and the flavors and the textures, you know, of that food mm. is, is a great way. And it helps to your digestion as well of that food if you're sitting mindfully and, and doing it. Um, the food will assimilate better. Um, mindful walking. So rather than um, racing around on the phone as we're going for short walks, perhaps just deciding to put the phone on airplane mode and actually have an experience with your surroundings, you know. I mean, there's some great resources out there like Insight Timer is an app, is a mindfulness app, which has got phenomenal resources from anything from five minutes to an app to an hour or more so people can choose they can choose based on practitioners or the, they can choose based on themes um so insight time is a, a great first step as well i mean they might just want to just um check on eventbrite and see what is um going on you know what events are free events or paid events that are in on eventbrite either in their area or virtually yeah that they can tap into i'd always say get started there um and just read a get a book get some you know beginners guides to mindfulness and just get started yeah so actually i guess there's loads of ways depending on how people want to consume yeah. that kind of information so books podcasts the... some people love podcasts yeah, you know yeah luckily for me <laughs> yeah you know and it's a great way to get started yeah. you know and other people can use the podcast and then align it with, like just give them the motivation to then just get started so yeah yeah and so and I guess what I'm hearing there is actually it doesn't matter if you are looking to want to do something on your own so like the mindful eating the mindful walking you can do that as a solo pursuit and kind of tune into yourself or if you're looking to think I'd like to have some you know, some people around me you know to help me understand this a bit better I think Eventbrite was a great shout there around okay find a group or something yeah. that is accessible to you so that you can be around people doing it and, and learn if, you know, if learning with others is something that feels right. Yeah. yeah, I'm always surprised how much people just don't know what's going on in their own, own neighbourhood, really. And, and yeah. some of these um, newsletters or local news or Eventbrite might actually um, draw attention to things that are going on just on their doorstep that they're just not aware of. 
and and that is exactly I tell you what that is exactly what I'm going to do this afternoon because I I often kind of overlook the fact that within the community there are always things going on and it's nice to look at the you know shiny big events that you see places but actually small community events can really bring you know a very different feeling and a different yeah. vibe that, that we can crave very much so and and what about people who are okay they might be thinking yeah I you know I'm I'm pretty good with my mindfulness um I I you know I make time and I, I meditate regularly or I, I do spend time kind of really having this kind of introspection or stillness um and they are thinking I really like to know how could I deepen my work what what would you kind of suggest for them I mean, there are some some great um, six to eight week courses, some with qualifications, some without, you know, like Breathworks is always a good one. We've got the Mindfulness Network for people of colour. You know, you've got Mindfulness um, in Action. There's lots of different organisations out there who um, are trained to deliver short courses, you know, either virtually or in, you know, in certain localities. And uh, it helps people to sort of deepen their practice, it helps people to deepen their understanding, apply new techniques, um, you know, just take it that step further. Yeah, fantastic. And and I guess there's also the option that people want to reach out to you and connect with you and explore, you know, working with you to, to deepen their practice. How can people do that if that's well, something? Of course, kind of yeah. I mean, I, I in several ways, I do run annual online mindfulness strategies for dealing with life challenges courses that sounds um, good <laughs> yeah absolutely and then that builds on into a five-week um, online course as well so the first bit is a is a taster you know people to dip their toe in and then they can go on to a four five week online program i also offer one-to-one guided mindfulness coaching or breath work because really sometimes people struggle to breathe correctly really um, and that that in itself could be causing some stresses and anxiety for them. So it depends whether, whether people feel comfortable in a group or whether they really would prefer to talk through holistically what's going on for them and how mindfulness can can benefit them. Excellent. And if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on the website, which is www.kmtrising.com. I'm, I'm on Instagram at kmt underscore rising. Um, or they can email me, kmtrisinglimited, which is just ltd at gmail.com. And um, yeah, stay connected, get in touch, have, have a discussion. I'm also offering at the moment a free 30-minute consultation. So they can go on the website and book a free 30 minute consultation where they just get to share what's going on for them and how mindfulness, you know, may be something they want to tap into to take them further along their journey. Excellent. Fantastic. And are there any um, particular courses or anything that you have got coming up um, in the next kind of few weeks or months that you would like to uh, draw people's attention to? Well, there is a there is a masterclass creating fair and inclusive workspaces in leadership. Oh, and well, that really... sounds back on point. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's a masterclass looking at exploring unconscious bias and contemplative practice. So it's a perfect opportunity to look at mindfulness within the lens of um, biases that we hold and how they may be getting in the way of our relationships in the work in leadership. And more importantly, how can we apply mindfulness to, you know, to transcend or navigate that world? So that's on Friday, the 8th of March, 
9.30 till 11.30 a.m. online. So they can look on the website again for that. Wonderful. Excellent. That's an online course as well. That is. Okay, so nice and accessible for everybody. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to check that out as well because I think that sounds fantastic. <laughs> that sounds really in the sphere of all the the conversations that we're having. Yes. Um, Imani, it's been amazing to talk to you. Is there anything that you came to say that you haven't been given an opportunity to say? Not at all. No, I feel like we've covered quite a lot. Um, you know, I think for me, allyship is absolutely the way to go. Um, it has to come from a place of self-awareness. It has to come from a place of, of truth and congruence and checking our motives. You know, why do we want this? Is it a tick box or is it genuine? Mm -hmm. And um, from that, we can really build um, a sustainable world. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I echo, I echo completely. And I think just to hark back to one of the points you made earlier around being present, being mindful helps us to unify as allies and, and the unify as allies rather than just assimilate to those around us. I think that was a really yeah. powerful point. So thank you. Thank you, Katie, for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today, Imani. Take care.